Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned, and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. We are here. Julia Mazur, welcome to Seeing Other People. Thank you, Alana. I'm so excited. I told you I'm nervous to be on the other side, but I know I'm in great hands. So I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited. I feel like this is going to be one of my favorite and like most fun conversations just because you and me have, we have so much in common. We both have like worked at dating apps. We both have gone through traumatic breakups. And I just feel like our last conversation, which you guys, if you haven't listened to my episode of Julia's podcast, pretty much done, go check it out. It was such, I I feel like I opened up so much. Wait, hold on. Did I tell you this? So we talked a lot about like my past relationships and, and my exes. I literally had nightmares about my one specific ex for like two or three nights after that. I think just because I hadn't gone that deep into it in so long. You did tell me this and I felt extremely guilty. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Um, Some people, it's crazy. Like when I knew I was ready to podcast, it's because people were like, Julia, you just get me to say shit I would never say. And I was like, okay, I guess I should be a podcaster. A podcaster or a therapist or both. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, okay. What led you other than that? What led you to starting pretty much done? There's, there's like the story of like when I realized I need to do this. And then there's like the backstory of my life. So like the story of me realizing that I need to start this is in COVID in 2020, I got into a super toxic relationship with a good on paper guy. Um, and so I like, I found this person, I actually listened to a podcast that he was on and he was talking about how he was single. I DM'd him and we just started talking and like COVID happened and we hung out. We like went on a walk and then we went to his house. Cause that was like what you're do. Like, it's not like my usual to go to someone's house, but We started hanging out and um, it went from there. And in COVID, like you weren't doing the normal things that one does. Like I'm extremely extroverted, but I was doing puzzles and hanging out with him. And he was not an extroverted person. He, we didn't have like a lot of the same values we learned. And I kind of felt like stuck in this situation with someone because he was love bombing me. And I felt you know, extremely like adored by him. He told me things like, you know, I really want you to feel comfortable at my house. So I'm going to buy you like all of your skincare regime at my house. So you feel comfortable. I was like, okay, great. And that's expensive. (laughs) It was expensive. There was a lot of gift giving, um, a lot of, you know, expensive meals, ordering takeout from like expensive restaurants. And so again, it was like the good on paper guy had his own house. Um, and, I really enjoyed that part of it, but I realized that we like didn't align at all on any values. And so I was in this situation that I I felt like whenever I tried to get out, he like pulled me back in or if I would consult with like my family members, they would be like, you know, relationships are really hard. He's a good guy. He wants to give you a nice life. 
he says that he loves you more than anyone. I was his first girlfriend at 35, which should have been like a red flag. But all that being said, I found myself going on a lot of long walks during this time. I think it's because I was super isolated and lonely and I started to listen to podcasts. That's how I got into podcasts. And I remember finding myself listening to Life with Mariana Hewitt. I don't know if you've listened to her podcast, but uh, she had Jen Atkin, the celebrity hairstylist on. And Jen Atkin was on and she was talking about how, you know, she tells all her friends like life's too short to be in a super toxic relationship. And like, you know, a breakup is just one weekend of moving your shit out of your partner's place, like literally just one weekend. And I literally remember like stopping my walk to kind of just like take that in. And I knew something resonated in that moment. And I was like, I think I need to do this. Like I need to move out. Like I just, I have so much anxiety. Like my, I'm so anxious about this relationship and didn't, I didn't happen immediately after, but you know, I ended up moving out of his place because we were living together. And I realized like, if I can just be that like aha moment for someone else who's sitting in a toxic relationship who has settled in some ways, who feels like they need to be in a relationship because they're, you know, more valued. Like I need to help people not settle because as soon as I got out of that relationship, my life improved like exponentially. That's incredible that, that you heard that and you really were like, this is me and I can either do something about it or not. And I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And I think, I think there's two things. There's two steps. The first step is realizing that you need to do something, but then the even harder step is actually doing it. How did you get yourself to do it? Yeah. So the hard part for me is that my gut was saying that I need to do it. And I knew wholeheartedly this was not the person for me, but so many external voices were telling me he's great or, you know, like, stay relationships are hard talk through this this can be changed we went to couples therapy and finally like it took a a few times like it really did finally I was just like I can't this is miserable like I cannot live like this and so what made me do it propelled me to do it was my gut which I've become like extremely in tune with and I just had the courage to tell everyone like shut up (laughs) I've had enough of your consultation and I'm getting out and so I, could, I couldn't even move my stuff out. My mom had to do it for me because he was so angry with me for breaking up with him. Wow. Shout out mom for showing up for you like that and, and doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, she's, she's the best. I mean, she like I love her to death, but she was a little bit of the person who was in my ear saying like, you know, you should stay with him. But her like she, we have different lives. Like she, you know, she got married at 21 and she was an immigrant who came here and had to work super hard. And she had this guy telling her like, I just want to give your daughter a nice life. And she was, you know, just projecting like her experiences, love her, but she, you know, she helped in the end and she realized, you know, with time. Well, that's tough. And I think it's interesting that you had people telling you to stay with him. Cause usually what I hear is everyone saying I should break up with him, but they don't understand like what goes on behind the scenes. Like they don't understand why I'm with this person. And, but neither side is like, neither situation is fun to be in by any means. 
Yeah, for me, I feel like it's a cultural thing. Like I feel like a lot of the people I was talking to, I'm Russian Jewish. So for me, I talk a lot about like the traumas I experience with being like a Jewish girl single at 29. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like so many people, like the goal in life is to get married and have kids. And I think so many people were hoping for me to check off that box with this person. And that's just not my story. And my life has become so much better for it. What was the breakup like? I know things got better, but were you, did you feel a sense of freedom? Was it difficult to get through? What happened once you left? Yeah, um, I felt such a sense of freedom. I talk about this on my podcast, but there were so many things that he didn't like that I did. For example, one of them being like, I like the Kardashians. I don't meet people and say like, I, hello, I'm Julia. Nice to meet you. I love the Kardashians, but I like to watch them. I like passive watching of like housewives and the Kardashians. And I remember I, I like moved back to my place. I also didn't get rid of my place, which was like such a sign that my subconscious knew. I literally got back into bed and I watched like a whole weekend of reality TV and then you know, he really didn't love like a lot of social situations. And I like think I made plans with all of my friends that week and saw friends and started to like map out what my life was going to look like. I journaled. I got on like my self-care journey. I was like reading breakup books and, and trying to understand myself. But I think that it was like a relief. Like I was finally not feeling anxious because I was constantly feeling anxious. We would always fight. I always felt like I had to explain myself and who I was. So I know that's like not that like some people have breakups and and it's like, I miss that person. I long for that person so much. I feel so lonely. So it was the other side of the coin where I was in just such a difficult draining relationship that I was felt free. And for sure there, there were like doubts, you know, of like, did I make the right decision? I was constantly doubting that decision. Um, and it felt shitty because he was so angry with me. And I think like the people pleaser in me was like upset about the fact that he couldn't come to terms with it either because it wasn't, this relationship wasn't serving either of us. Yeah. I think it's beautiful that once it was over, you were like, I'm going to take my life back and do what makes me happy and do what I want and what I need. And, you know, it's, there's no good breakup situation, but to be on that side of it where it's, you just, you got to become yourself again and refine yourself and and rediscover yourself. And I think that is such a huge process of growing and figuring out what matters to you and learning who you are. Yeah. I think that's such a like lesson that I want to share like with people who listen to my podcast that like if you're losing any parts of yourself to be with someone else like why are you in that relationship in the first place I think for a lot of us it's like you know societal pressure feeling like you're running out of time um, feeling like you don't love yourself enough so you want someone else to like fill that void Mm -hmm. and I just there's more like it Being alone can be lonely, you know, being single can be lonely, but like being in a toxic situation or the situation that's not right for you can be even more isolating. 
Exactly. And I remember, I think I posted a poll once on the seeing other people Instagram story where it was like, would you rather just like be in a relationship, but not be happy or not be in a relationship? And obviously it was everybody voted not be in a relationship. But then when that actually happens in real life, and you have the opportunity and somebody's willing to be with you or wants to be with you, even if it's unhealthy, even if you get stuck in this relationship that you're not happy in, sometimes it feels easier to stay or it feels like, well, I don't want to like disappoint people's expectations of me by leaving. So I should just stay in this unhealthy relationship where I'm not happy. And it's, I know it's, it's so hard to to snap out of it when you're in it. And it's hard to realize like what's happening. Yeah. But if you're in a relationship and you don't feel like you can be your whole self, you don't feel comfortable, you feel like you have to walk on eggshells or you're afraid to say something or there's constant fighting, it shouldn't be that hard. Like it doesn't have to feel like that. And I've been in relationships where I thought like, well, we care about each other so much that that's why this is happening. That's why it's so complicated because of how much we want it to work. And it's like, no, uh-uh, yeah. Yeah. uh-uh, yeah. especially in your 20s because like life is not that hard yet. No, I know. I, yeah, it's like you you don't even, yeah, you don't have kids. You don't have like a shared finances. Like get out while you can and like, to your yeah. point about people being afraid to leave because, you know, they're going to like people are going to judge you for it not working out. Like, I get it. I totally understand those feelings. But I have so much respect for people who get out and have the courage. Like it takes so much more courage to get out than to stay because I like I know people in relationships and I'm like, you're a shell of yourself. Like, please get out so you could come back like blink twice yeah. if you're OK, you know. And at the end of the day, no matter what you think people who care about you want for you, above all else, they want you to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Have you watched Bad Sisters? No. What is that? Okay. It's a new show on Apple TV. It is an incredible show. I'm like a little more than halfway through, but it's about these five sisters and one of them, her husband gets killed and it's all of these flashbacks to the story of her relationship with him and how horrible of a human he was mm. and how he emotionally abused her and like 100% I mean I haven't looked it up but I imagine like clinically this guy is considered a narcissist and you could just see her going into her shell and hiding and not being herself and losing herself and, you know, wanting to try and give 5% more of her and him immediately making her regret it and yeah. her just again, hiding. And so the whole plot, I won't ruin it for anyone, but it's a really great show. It's like dark humor, drama. Great show. Okay. I'm going to watch. <laughs> it sounds like big little lies. Everyone's told me to watch that and I haven't yet. Oh my God. Okay. You, you'll watch that. Yeah, I'll I watch Bad to. Sisters and we can. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. Okay. So what has your dating life been like since then? I know that there's some stuff that has happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
Well, I did want to say that. So when you asked me like what started the podcast, I did want to share that also I've just always I'm probably similar to you. I've always been interested in dating because I remember when I got out of my first relationship when I was 19, my mom and sister, the Jewish trauma again, were like, you need to get on J-Date because my sister met her husband on J-Date. And so I get on as a 19-year-old, like literally I remember getting messages of people being like, what's a 19-year-old doing on here? And I was like, I just literally couldn't tell you. And like, I remember like for me, I've just like always online dated, like Tinder came out shortly thereafter. And so I'm like a huge advocate of online dating. You know, we both worked at Match Group. I worked at Tinder uh, for five and a half years. And so for me, I think like after we broke up, I like, I think I got on the apps and I probably that like, I, I don't know. I, I don't even remember like taking dating that seriously. I think it's because I like felt like I had this like escape or like, like I felt like told people I felt like, like the handcuffs were like taken off me and I got to like be myself. Um, and so I wasn't even looking for a relationship or dating. And I, just had so much fun that summer. Like I remember I looked really good. Like, you know, I like got really tan. I was hanging out with girlfriends and meeting people. I, no one significant. And I was just like going out all the time. I met this group of friends that we, like we all went out and had this like fun summer. And then I literally got COVID and I, it was like the only thing that would like keep me at home. Like COVID was like, okay, girl, time to like slow your roll. And yeah, you need a break. We're yeah. going to give it to you. <laughs> yeah. So it was November, 2021. And I matched with this guy on hinge and he, we like ended up, I was, I had to be isolated for 10 days. And when he, um, when I was like done isolating, he went on a trip over Thanksgiving and so we spent like two weeks just talking, like two to three weeks just talking. We were FaceTiming. We talked for hours. And, I, and he had so much depth that was lacking in my prior relationship. And he was like extremely spiritual, been to therapy, like all the things. And he seemed to like like me exactly for all the things that I was because my non-negotiable from that toxic relationship was I'm not, I'm going to be myself. Like I'm going to get on first dates and I'm going to tell people I love the Kardashians. Like that's, that's yeah. where I was. And so we ended up getting into a relationship and it was like the most beautiful relationship. It, he completely supported me. I felt like it almost felt like he like lifted me up. Like every dream that I would talk about, I were, I still worked at Tinder and I was like, you know, I think I want to change jobs. He's like, you go like he, you know, he, did that. And, you know, I worked on myself like spiritually and emotionally and in therapy. And he was like, I'm so proud of you that you're doing that. Like all the most amazing things. He was also Jewish. So a lot of our um, values aligned. I loved his family. Um, and we dated for a year and we recently broke up and I'm sure everyone's lis listening is like, what? Like, this is like a dream. Like, why would you break up? But I think for us, something that was missing was like this spark um like for me what it boiled down to is I'm extremely sarcastic and like witty and like love banter and he's sweet and soft and kind and like for him like he didn't not that he didn't like love my sarcasm but he just didn't jive with it and it didn't like do much for him and for me that was lacking and so that chemistry was kind of 
lacking as much as like we loved and respected each other and had so much in common. Like this was such an adult, mature realization that we came to of just like, we have to call this because, because, you know, like the rest of your life is a long time. And I, and I've gotten better with time at trusting my gut and knowing. And so we recently broke up, but like, I think this person's going to be in my life forever. I, he's so sweet. I just posted uh, or I just had an episode come out where I did a solo about our breakup and he like reposted it on his Instagram story. Cause he's just the best. Wow. Guy. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's so nice. Like I feel like it's when two emotionally mature people break up and like realize they're not each other's people. Like it's, it's so great. And it's, it's nice to know. Did one person initiate the breakup or was it conversations about maybe this isn't right and both of you agreeing how did that play out I feel like as like maybe like around the 10 month mark we started to have conversations because he lived with his brother and I lived alone and I was like okay like what does like are we gonna move in together and I could tell like we would have the conversations and go through the motions because you know I'm 29 he was 34 and it's like but there, there wasn't like movement and then we'd kind of like circle, circle back. And, and so we were having those conversations about like where we were headed. Um, and then what happened for me is like, I think we kind of had conversations about things are weird. And I ended up going on a trip. And when I went on the trip, someone flirted with me on the trip and I like felt ex- giddy, like giddy. And I was like, Oh God. And my gut literally was, it was like my gut came knocking again. It was like, hey, girl, I'm back. And I was like, okay, yeah. And I didn't sleep that night. I literally didn't, like had a panic attack because I was like, I need to go home and blow up my life. What felt like blowing up my life. Like everything yeah. I know to be losing this person potentially, like I don't want to do this again. This sucks, you know? And and I just turned 29 and I'm like, oh, this sounds awful. But I shared these things with him and like it was it I I know that it's a privilege to have like this mutual breakup um because he was completely on the same page and like so supportive and so understanding but yeah we we decided to do it kind of together I mean we tried like we were like okay like let's slow burn this like let's see what it looks like can we like live without each other but we realized like it was ultimately the correct decision and I I think since like, you know, I've, I've gone on a couple of dates and had like flings and I've had some chemistry with them. And I realized like I made the right decision. I have to take back what I said earlier about there not being a good breakup scenario. Yeah. I mean, this is so rare, but sounds really beautiful and supportive and what anyone could only dream of. But with that being said, I imagine that doesn't mean it hurts any less. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's so funny because when I was going through the breakup and we were like still talking, like I was interviewing breakup bestie, like Kendra Allen. And she was telling me that like her mode, she's the best, but she was like giving me like the hard tips. She was like, you go no contact for 30 days. (laughs) Like you do not talk to your exes. And to me, like when I was talking to my friends about it, I'm like, I don't know how people can do that. Cause I can't like, for me, like cutting the cord completely is really hard. I know I'm like now in the relationship space and I'm, I obviously have a duty to give people good advice 
And I think that her advice is correct. And I think that doing giving is a lot easier than taking. Yeah. 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 But I, for, yeah, for me, like I, I just couldn't not have that communication. I think that if I, if we had that line broken, the, it would have been a lot harder that breakup. Um, so I, I don't know, like, I can't, I can't say for sure. I mean, it was really hard, but I'm so lucky that like, he's still a little bit in, in my life. And I know that like, we still care about one another. Cause I think that your ego also hurts during a breakup for sure. You're like, was that real? Like, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm happy for you that all things considered, this is how it went and that it could end like this and that you can still be special people to each other. And I think it's such a rare beauty to be able to look back on a relationship and not have hard feelings because there are so many times where like any a, a situation ship I was in, a relationship I was in, like it was beautiful and amazing and special until it wasn't. And looking back, it's like, it'd be really nice to celebrate how great it was and to look back and think about how happy I was in certain moments and how I grew from this other person. But often that's overshadowed by the bad and by the breakup and how things unfolded. And so I envy your situation and how you're able to, you know, move forward from it and look back and smile. Yeah. I think so much of the time, like when something ends, it's your ego being like, oh, did they really love me? Like, did they feel the same ways? And I'm, I like hope to get to a place with this. I, I, I'm a work in progress myself of like knowing wholehearted, like, yeah, we love, we loved each. He, he liked me. He was into me. Like it happened. You had it. Like it was. Why'd you just change? You just stopped yourself from saying love and changed it to like. Why'd you do that? I don't know. I don't know. That feels like something my therapist would do. I don't know. Own it. Own (laughs) it. You're trying to get there. Let's get there. Yeah. No. He. Yeah. He loved you. He was into you. Um. It. It was everything that you thought it was, and just like believe that, and you don't. You know. You don't need them to validate that. Yeah. Exactly. What have you learned so far from your guests, from the process of doing this podcast that you haven't learned in your own experiences or even, you know, I'm sure I want to get into what you learned about love from working at Tinder as well. Um, But what in this new chapter with the podcast have you learned? Well, I learned that a lot of us are going through similar things, even if we're in different phases of our lives. So, you know, I've interviewed people who have gone through divorce. I've interviewed people who are 23 years old and, you know, haven't even experienced heartbreak the same. Um, And, you know, I obviously I've interviewed a lot of people who do this for a living, like like you, like people who just talk about dating and relationships and knowing that this is a universal thing that we all go through. And I think this is something my therapist said, you know, like the, one of the main things human wants, want humans want is like to feel love, to just like be loved and feel love. And I think being able to help people through that process of finding that is like so rewarding and yeah. And just knowing that like, we're all going through it and I, and it's like different, it, it all can look different, a little different for other people. 
Um, but everyone universally feels it. I love that so much. And it is so true. It's like, you know, when I was single or when I felt heartbroken, I would just think to myself, like, I have so much love to give and I just want to love and be loved. And like, that's literally what I say about my dog. Like he just wants to love and be loved. But it's like, I felt so much weight on my shoulders because that is like what I wanted more than anything in the world. And I would tell myself these stories about why it wasn't happening. Like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't whatever enough. And Mm -hmm. I think the toughest thing is that most of us feel that way. I mean, I have recently become friends with this girl who is like, she has a ton of followers. She's one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. And she sent a few pictures asking like which one I preferred. And she, w- and she pointed out like 17 things that were seemingly wrong with her from her perspective about herself in that picture that she felt the need to edit. And my head almost exploded. I'm like, I, a, I don't see these things. B I would do anything to look like you see ha- like how it's just the way we judge ourselves for being single, for being whatever is just so crazy, but we're all doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I could, we could have a seven hour podcast episode on this, but I, I've truly got, I mean, self-confidence is something I work on actively in therapy for sure. And I am working on not feeling valued because I'm with someone like that is like something I'm actively working on for sure because like I've now come to the realization that I'm only going to meet someone once I'm like wholeheartedly loving myself because you can't just like have someone fill a void you can't someone's not going to come in there and tell you you're all those things like you have to believe it first but you're absolutely right that we all are so hard on ourselves and I don't know why like I I just I don't know where this stems from. I guess it's like, it's obviously social media hasn't helped. Yeah. I know you've had and talked about your journey with your weight and self-acceptance and body acceptance. What, and this is a loaded question, but like, what has that process been like? Because you spoke a lot about it on your solo episode and I really admired so much of what you had to say. And I feel like it would be really beneficial to a lot of the listeners. Yeah. So I know this is like totally part of my story and like a lot of has a big impact on me and dating. So when I, you know, was growing up, I was severely overweight or not severely, but I was overweight my whole life. And it's just like a genetic thing for me. Everyone in my family has always been bigger. And at my heaviest, I got to 208 pounds. I was like 18 or 19 when that happened. And, um, I studied abroad in Italy and like, I guess I started walking and started losing weight. And then when I came home, I ended up losing 60 pounds. I've like lost probably like 75 pounds now. Um, And then I remember when I lost all that weight, I got into a relationship with a guy at 20 and I had a lot of excess skin because I had lost that weight and a lot of it was on my stomach. And after we had like slept together and he was my boyfriend, he was like, you know, I just wish your stomach looked different. And it was so traumatic for me at 20. (laughs) Like no one's hearing, but you're rolling your eyes. I'm like rolling my eyes (laughs) slash what the fuck? Yeah. Like who 
who would think that that is an okay thing to say? Honestly, Alana, as like 29 enlightened Julia, it's a guy who doesn't love himself and is projecting yeah. his his insecurities onto a poor 20-year-old girl. Um, but that it had an impact on me in dating. And like I think yeah. after that I was like, oh, like I'm gonna show men, they're gonna like me, like I'm gonna feel like I'm gonna use my sexuality to get them. And you know, I like what a waste of time. But yeah. Then I had like another situation when I was 25, I was dating a guy and we broke up and um, his mom called me and his mom was like blowing up my phone and she texted me. I was like, Hey, like I'm at work. And she was like, can I call you? And I was like, okay, I'm taking a walk. So I'll, I'll call you when I take that walk. And I call her. And it's so funny. I was like 25 and she was like, you know, like, I really want you guys to be together. Like, I really wish you guys were together you're like gonna kill me for saying this but like I just think like if you lost weight like you guys would probably be together no yeah no. and I was like oh my god this is so great like I literally am having my <sighs> redemption moment because I didn't say anything at 20 at 20 years old I didn't say anything but I was 25 and I was like listen listen up I was like I'm not like the skinniest gal in town but like I am pretty amazing and like if your son doesn't believe that or see that then like he's not the guy for me and I'm not the girl for him and good for you yeah so that was really good I was really proud of myself for having that redemption moment and now that I, is horrible I'm I sorry know. I know. that is so horrible and I am so sorry you had to go through that both of those things but for a mom yeah to call you and say that I know I can like I don't know if I'm just like so wise now or something but I can just like take oh I can understand that's probably her experience like she probably has those standards that she has to live under and like I can't like I certainly can't I know that when I'm pregnant I'm gonna blow up like a balloon so like I can't have my husband breathing down my neck of like you need to lose weight I can't be in that relationship so yeah. it, I it saved me it really did yeah yeah yeah. But you asked like how I, I handle that now. And like, it's day by day. I, I just need to know that like, I, no one else's validation about my looks is gonna make me feel more whole. Like I'm great. I know all the things that I have to offer and I know I'm beautiful and smart and on all those things. And like no man not texting me back is any indication of the fact that I'm not or not wanting to be with me for that matter. And you know what? I know I know you said you're working on like self-love and self-confidence and and loving yourself, but you already it sounds like have that awareness where the, when you get back out there, maybe you already are getting back out there, but you're going to have a much more positive experience because of that because you know who you are because you know your worth and because you're not going to let somebody else's actions or the amount of time it takes them to respond to your text. You're not going to let that dictate how you feel. No, it has nothing to do with you. Like if anyone listening is like, Oh, he's not texting me back or he's not asking me out on the date. Like it, there are so many factors for what it could be for him. Like he's not ready for a relationship. He's literally not over his ex. He wants to move to Africa tomorrow. Like you don't know all the things and it has nothing to do with you. And if, and if it does, 
like those two examples I just said, like they're not your person. You don't want to be in that relationship for a second. Exactly. What was your role at Tinder? So I had a few roles at Tinder. I joined as a marketing coordinator and then I had like five roles. (laughs) I uh, launched our college marketing program um, on the marketing team. I launched like a lot of our, our product campaigns and features. And then the time I spent most at Tinder doing this role, I was there for three years doing brand partnerships. So that's what I left doing. Yeah. And while you were there, was it impacting your dating life in any way? Like were people wanting to go out with you or not wanting to go out with you because you worked at Tinder? Yeah. I mean, I think me being there my dating life was impacting me being there. Like I, I was there because I was like, I love this, you know, I love yeah. Tinder and I love online dating. And I realized like, that's why I wanted to be there. But I definitely got the, like, if I was on Bumble, if I was on Hinge, people would be like, Oh, you're going to get fired for being <laughs> on Hinge or Bumble. And I, my, all the time, answer, all the time. It was so annoying. I had to take away my occupation, but Same. I was like, it's so annoying. And I was like, this is actually a selling point of me that I can hold a cool corporate job. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I remember even when I was at Hinge, we would be giving people who worked at Tinder, like Hinge premium, and they'd be giving people who worked at Hinge, like Tinder passport and all these other Tinder plus, like all these other things. And anyone who was on the outside, like didn't understand it. And we're like, we all just want everyone to find love. Like that's all we're here for. Like, I don't give a shit what app you're on. People would literally be like, Oh, we met on Bumble. Like, sorry. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm so glad you met each other. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Did you ever have situations? I once took an Uber and I, whenever I said I worked at Tinder, like people laughed, like the immediate reaction was that people would laugh and the Uber driver handed me his profile and I had to re like, he asked me to redo it for him. No way. That is awesome. I definitely never had it like that in an Uber, but yeah, friends, friends of friends, people I would talk to, I'd, I'd maybe like be with a guy I was going on like two dates with and all their roommates would just like line up. Um, but I love doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it too. I love talking about it. I literally dating. I mean, I could talk about it forever. Were you on the apps before you worked at hinge too? Yes. So for a while I was, I remember my first app date I went on, I think it was from hinge was the summer before I graduated college I was like interning in the city and I, I slept at a friend's apartment to like go on the state with this guy. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, I really dove in like once I graduated and was in Manhattan. Um, but it was interesting because for me, I mean, I had tried so many apps. I had tried Hinge. I had tried Bumble. I had tried Tinder. I had tried Coffee Meets Bagel, J-Swipe, like the league, literally everything. But yeah. the only app I ever actually got a date from was Hinge. Wow. And I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, I, I know. I don't know. I, I know that that's what people are like millennials. I think maybe it must be like the prompts. It must be like the context, the additional context that helps I, people. Yeah, more serious. I don't know. Maybe. Who yeah. knows? But yeah. So when I, when I did go and work at hinge, it's like, yeah, I've been on all the other apps. I'm still going to like use the other apps, but this is the one that has worked for me anyway. So it felt 
like a fit. And I mean, people ask me all the time, like, what app should I be on? And I don't think there's a right answer. I think different people are going to have success on different apps, depending on what place you're at in your life, what you're looking for, where you live. There are so many different factors. And so I always tell people like, try a few and see what feels right. See what people you're connecting with and where they're coming from. And you don't have to choose one. Like you don't have to be committed to one app. You can play the field. Yeah, a hundred percent. I will say that now that I'm single, I'm only on hinge only because I just don't want to, like I was thinking, you know, maybe I'll download Bumble. I don't want, first of all, I don't want to do the job of like messaging first. It sounds exhausting right now. And I don't want to do the swiping. Like the swiping can be like, you literally can get carpal tunnel from it. Like it's really exhausting. Oh, I mean, as someone who has had (laughs) carpal tunnel from over usage of my phone, I can confirm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like I go to yoga and I'm like doing the wrist (laughs) because of my my phone. Yeah. Yeah. I said not just because of dating apps. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get into some listener questions. Um, there are so many amazing ones. I picked a few and depending on how long we go for, I might pick a few more, not do them all. Let's see. Okay. This one I want to start with is I have a very hard time with the rule. He should text first. Aren't relationships ideally built on friendships? I don't wait for my girlfriends to text me first. I hate these rules. They feel so unnatural. Yeah. I think my take on it is that that's my way to like gauge if someone is interested in making an effort with me. So that that's sometimes like the only context that we have initially. Like, I think I believe what Tink said, like if he wanted to, he would. So I think for me, like, you know, I, I don't always adhere to it. I think that a few dates in, like you, you can definitely start texting first to gauge like his interest levels. But I think that it's super important to know if he's into you or not and making an effort because it shows how ready someone is for commitment. Like, you know, do they want a girlfriend? Because if they're not even making, it takes like three seconds to text someone and people are always on their phones. So if they're not even Mm -hmm. making an effort to text first, like how are you going to know if they're really into wanting to date you? Yeah, I definitely see that side of it. And I think a lot of the things you said, I, I agree with. The one thing I would counter is what happens when you text first, when you do, if you do, what happens? Are they continuing the conversation and then making a plan? If so, that's also another way to assess it and to see like, oh, does this person, you know, want to actually be spending time with me? So I do think, you know, if you're, I think there are very different types of people and you might be somebody who wants to text first. I definitely was. And Mm -hmm. I was okay with that. And I was glad that I did. And there were some times where I would want them to text me more than they were. And I would have to tell them that. And they were like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like I'm a bad texter, but if it means something to you, yeah, I can text you more and I can text you first more to show you that I'm interested and great. They were able to show up for me in the way I wanted. But I I do agree that like, it is comforting to know like, Oh, this person thought about me and wanted to start a conversation. And I do think that is what a lot of people default to as like an easy way to assess someone else's interest. But I don't think that there should be a rule that like they have to text first. Like if you have something to say, if you want to ask them out, if you know, you saw something and it reminded you of something that you guys talked about on your date, totally text them. 
Yeah, it's not a hard and fast rule. I think to your point, if they do say like, I'm so sorry, I'm a bad texter, then they're showing you like they're apologizing, you know, they're making an effort in that way, telling, giving you context as to why they're not texting. That's something yeah. different. So test it out. And, but if they're not answering you for like a day, when you text first, you have your answers. Yes, exactly. Like don't justify someone's actions. And I've gotten myself into trouble so many times by doing that. Mm -hmm. And it is like, literally, it feels like somebody is like sticking their hand inside your stomach and squeezing as hard as they can. Like when you're sitting there waiting for that text back and trying to decide like, are they asleep? Are they, you know, busy dead. at work? It's like, <laughs> are they, are they dead? Literally. Yeah. And if someone doesn't respond to you for 24 hours, like, I think we've all also been on the other side of that where we haven't responded to someone for 24 hours. And it always does mean something. Um, of course, there are exceptions, but don't jump to a conclusion if they're not responding for an hour. But yeah. like, also read the room. Honestly, I don't know if this is good advice, but I do this thing where like if someone doesn't answer for a day, I just delete. I delete the number. I don't need to look at it. I don't need to know it. It's okay. Like you'll. I like that. Yeah. That way you're just, it's out of sight, out of mind. I think that's great. And if they come back, fine. They come back. If not, you don't need their number. Yep. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Next question. I got out of a serious relationship in September, 2022 and moved continents for work in October. I'm on the apps in the new city, been on a few dates, but nothing is exciting enough. I feel like I might be clicking with someone, but I'm afraid of getting hurt. And it feels like I'm pushing myself into it because I'm in a new city with very few acquaintances. My gut has signaled to not proceed, but it could be that I'm afraid to get hurt. I'm not sure. What do you think? I think she just like gave her answer with all of her like subconscious cues of like my gut. I think I could be like, it sounds like you need to explore the city and continent that you're on and spend this time with yourself. Like September wasn't super long ago. I think, I think you have your answer. Don't, don't force anything ever. We just talked about like how your gut yeah. knows all. Yeah. And September to your point was like literally yesterday. And even if you hadn't moved like September to now is not that much time to heal and process and to have this huge life change like a move like you're going through a lot and it's going to take your emotions your mind to catch up it's going to take time and yeah like embrace being in a new city and you know be on the apps continue to meet people go to bars go to events and make try and you know put yourself out there to make friends or even get like bumble bff if that's a thing where you are to make friends. Um, you know, a lot of cities, there are Facebook groups of people who just want to make friends with each other. So mm -hmm. I think explore that and maybe make it a goal to try and make some more friends so that you don't feel like you have to rely on somebody new that you might start dating that you're not even sure about. Totally. Next question is, hey, Alana, this is something I've been having a lot of difficulty with ever since I started dating again. Do women no longer like guys who are gentlemen? I still believe in holding a door for a lady and buying flowers for your date and being respectful to women. But women on the West Coast seem to think I'm weird because of it. Is it wrong to still be a gentleman? And if so, why? And if it isn't, what could I be doing wrong? Okay, I live on the West Coast and I love a gentleman. I don't know what girls you're hanging out with or who your friends are on the West Coast, but I think it means so much. I think it also depends how you grew up. Like I grew up, you know, with some like Russian Jewish values where 
my dad, you know, opened the door for us or like you let a woman walk in front of you. I don't think I think if those are your standards, keep them. Don't change them because people think you're weird. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think like as like women should be appreciating it. I feel like that's what every woman says they want. Yeah. Like, isn't that the goal and what we want to find like someone who is a gentleman and does these things. The one thing I will say though, is I, I have thought about this because someone asked something similar previously. And I did feel like if I went on a first date with somebody who I had met on a dating app and, you know, we flirted, chatted for like a week or so, and then like made a date in person and they brought me flowers. I actually might think it's a little bit of like a show. Like this is what they do for everyone. It wouldn't feel special to me. And it might even make me feel like a little uncomfortable. And so what I would say to that point, and maybe it's just me, like why, why do, does getting flowers from somebody on a date make me feel uncomfortable? I don't know, but because it's so unfamiliar and the unfamiliar can be uncomfortable sometimes. Maybe it's a matter of waiting until the second date. So they know like, oh, they actually like they thought I was that special and like wanted to make me feel special. Like I think, you know, Jake got me a rose on like our third or fourth date and I still have it. And I thought it was so special because at that point there was that connection and it felt really meaningful that he did that. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's so funny you're bringing this up because I know what you mean. Um, It could feel like a little love bomb because you're like, you don't even know me and it could feel like it's something they always do. I have this funny story that I told my friends recently. I went on a really good first date and on my Hinge profile, like one of my simple pleasures is overpriced candles. I love overpriced candles. So we went on a date with this guy. We were at this hotel and we went to lunch and then when we were leaving, he bought candles in the lobby. And then when he dropped me off, he was like, this is for you, which I don't know. I still, we, everyone, it's like a debate. Like people, I mean, it's really nice. I'm just like, is this something that you always do? Right. I mean, uh, yeah, it's tough. It's really, really difficult to assess what someone's intentions are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah I don't know I I'm stumped on it still it feels like he he was he was a little weird so I think that it was a show yeah that's tough I I've gotten myself in trouble by like giving people the benefit of the doubt and thinking that everyone's intentions are pure right (laughs) so yeah yeah honest I would say like even if a guy brings you flowers and you like him go on one more date and suss it out like it's it's not a deal breaker yeah yeah agreed all right one more um I think him talking about someone else means that he's not interested but friends have been telling me otherwise does him talking about another girl dismiss any chance that he might like me I'm super confused since we talked for three hours then he asked me to go to dinner and when I couldn't he still tried to see me the next day could it go somewhere or is it just friend vibes? Well, I'm kind of, I'm like curious, like what is the context of him talking about someone else in? Is it someone he used to date or is it if he's bringing up someone that he likes, like that's a bad sign, I think. But if it's a ex or like someone for context cute, what do you think? I don't know. I'm like this one. 
I don't know that we have enough context. Yeah. In my mind, I'm thinking him talking about another girl. Look, there's a few scenarios. Is he saying that he's been on like five dates with this girl and he's really into her? Like, yeah, that's weird. And I don't know why he's doing that. And people are telling you that he's into you and he's trying to spend time with you also. I think that's a little sus. But if he's just mentioning like, oh, yeah, like I went on a date at this restaurant and the food was amazing or yeah, like I went on a date, but it was like, whatever. He might just be trying to like bring up dating around you almost to make you jealous and make you want him more. Which also is sus, by the way. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I I would, I mean, see what happens, like hang out with him and see, is he talking about liking you is he making like future plans you could also ask him and be like I am super curious like where your head is at with this because I've heard from people that you might be into me and we're hanging out now and I might be into you but I also hear you talking about other girls that you're dating so I'm just a little confused like I think that is a valid question to ask yeah. My initial instinct is if, if she's asking her friends and she's asking us, like she probably has her answer. Something yeah. is not right. Something yeah. is awry. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, it, it shouldn't be that difficult or confusing or yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My last question, this one is for you. Okay. What is the best piece of dating advice that you've ever received? So the best piece of dating advice is that if you're confused about it, like it's not it. Yeah. 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 Like that, like the girl who just asked us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. And I think there are so many times in my life where I've been so confused and I've, I've literally tried to like create this maze of like, well, he said this, but then he did that, but he sent this meme, but then he didn't answer, but then he did ask me out, but then he had to cancel. But then we, it's like, I would try and justify things and like find the way that it could lead to this works and this makes sense and is a thing. Mm-hmm. And no, yeah. <laughs> and it never, it never was right. Yeah. Yeah. There are like little, like, I mean, I guess there's some superficial things like, oh, I don't know. He like leaves his clothes on the floor. I don't know. It kind of bothers me. That's like not confusion. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I have, I have an ick about the concept of icks. Oh, really? Like that. Like he leaves his clothes on the floor and it bothers me. Like somebody will literally like consider that an ick and decides to not want anything to do with this person because of it. Yeah, I think that if you're doing that, you're probably not ready for a relationship. If yeah. you're if you're finding too many icks, you're just not emotionally open right now. Yeah, and that's okay. And yeah. if you're looking for icks too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Julia, thank you so much for coming on Seeing Other People. Where can everybody find you and the pod? So they can find me on Instagram at ja. Mazer, M-A-Z-U-R, and at PMD Pod on Instagram and TikTok. I'm trying to up my TikTok game now. So everybody go yeah, there. Yeah, you are. And, yeah, and see my content. Um, and Amazing. they can listen to PMD Pod on anywhere where you can find your podcasts. 
I love it. Thank you so, so much. Guys, definitely follow Julia everywhere. I will have all those links in the show notes and on social. And please, please, please send this to a friend who would love to hear it. Send this episode to the group chat, to your coworker Slack group, to your dog walker. There is something for everyone to take out of this episode. And thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you guys next time. Oh, give a five-star rating and review if you haven't. It goes a long way. And for Julia's podcast too. Thank you. Okay.